Welcome again to this episode of Talking Taylor. I'm Danny here with my friend Shauna. And today we're talking about Taylor Swift's uh, 2014 album, 1989. Yeah. Do you have uh, thoughts to get us started? Um, not anything really particular. We were just uh, go, you know, talking back and forth a little bit before we started about how jarring <laughs> the switch to 1989 felt at the time. Yeah. But... Yeah, a lot of people really, really love this album, um, and that's understandable, I think. Um, it was a surprise uh, in the Taylor verse uh, that it wasn't announced as the next one to do the re-record on. Um, so that's kind of recent news. Yeah, I was in shock. I was like, what? In the yeah, we, like, 1989's not next? Yeah, we have you on record uh, from a couple of weeks ago when you said that it was going to be next. Yeah. I was so confident, <laughs> and now I'm so confused. All the predictions I had for the re-records are out the window. They're gone. I have nothing now. I'm just going to let it happen. I'm so confused. I mean, part of me feels like she changed it because everyone figured it out. So. Yeah. She does like to play with people, like when everyone guessed the title of the Lover album, and she was like, oh, uh, nobody's guessed that yet. Hmm. And we were like, oh, so it's not Lover. And I watched the Mean Music video probably 1,400 times trying to figure out what the t- album t- title was, and it was Lover the whole time. So, you know. Mm-hmm. She likes to do that. I could, I could see that. I could totally see her being like, "Oh, everyone figured out it's 1989. Let me do. Let me just throw them all off." Yeah, just like I believe that she could have. Now, I'm not actually sure that she does, but I think it's entirely possible that she had a third album of the Folklore Evermore cycle ready to go, and that when people were like figured out the title or figured out that there would be a third one, was like, "I'm gonna shove this in a vault for a while." So, yeah. I could see it. Yeah. She, she'd do that. She likes yeah. to play. Likes yeah. to play games. Uh, yeah, so we are talking about 1989, which came out in fall of 2014. I was a junior in college. Uh, it was the hardest uh, semester of my college undergrad time. I had... Tons and tons of papers and projects that I was working on. I remember vividly playing this album nonstop while there was just like so much going on in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, I was a senior in high school when it came out. (laughs) And then I'll never forget Wildest Dreams music video came out. Uh, my first semester in college and I ran around my dorm screaming about the Wildest Dreams music video. Good times. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. So was that after uh, Bad Blood? Yes. Okay. The The like super cinematic star-studded Bad Blood video. Yeah, that um, that 
people tend to just kind of forget exists. It's so good, though. That came out um, (laughs) the day before I graduated high school, I believe, or something like that. It came out, like, in May, and Wild Mm -hmm. Streams came out that fall. Wild Streams came out basically, like, a year after 1989. Yeah, I I remember watching the Bad Blood video in... We were on a family vacation at the time somewhere near the Grand Canyon, and I remember watching it in a hotel lobby and being, like, pretty blown away by it. I thought it was pretty good. And I still think that that is the superior version of the song. So. I would agree. Like, I love uh, the album, like, track of Bad Blood, but the Kendrick Lamar feature is just, it's superior. It's so he good. He really delivers, as he always does. But, like, this is the kind of moment when he could have very reasonably, like, kind of phoned it in uh, and been fine. Like, his, the, the Swifties wouldn't have cared. His people already didn't care. Like, so it would have been, like, not a big deal if he hadn't given it 110%. But the second verse, especially, of the feature is, like, on par with a lot of the other best Kendrick bars from from his discography. So I, I'm, I'm always impressed uh, by that feature when I hear it. So, uh, well, let's get into it, uh, starting, as always, with the biggest song on the album. There's quite a few options here. Um, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> Shake It Off is the only option. Shake It Off is one of her biggest songs, and I just, I, like, it, Shake It Off is just, yeah, there, just, in my opinion, there is no contest. Shake It Off is the biggest song, like, okay. straight up. I think Shake It Off was pretty big. Style was also very big. I wouldn't be surprised if Style actually had, like, the best chart success, like, the longest-term chart success. Um, but I went with Blank Space. I feel like Blank Space is such a, like, really, really incredible pop song um, that kind of, like, extended the energy of um, I Knew You Were Trouble from Red. Uh, kind of just, like, extended that. The music video is probably want like the best one she's done or way up there uh it's definitely one of the best music videos that i think she's done it's definitely one of the like most iconic music videos that she's done at least since like the fearless era um i feel like blank space is the song that she sang most often at like award shows and stuff uh because yeah she should that's that's the one that's suited to that venue and i think that it kind of embodies the uh 1989 era there's something enjoyable about shake it off uh that kind of has a a youthful innocence that makes sense for uh like like a certain kind of subset of of people um but i think a lot of people probably think of blank space more with this album cycle than shake it off 
I, I might be wrong, from, but yeah. Like my thing of being a Swifty and everywhere I go, everyone always knows, oh my gosh, that like, let's play Taylor Swift for Shauna. The only song I ever hear is Shake It Off. I promise you anyone <laughs> that I know, all I ever hear is Shake It Off to the point where like sometimes I specifically will ask people please do not play Shake It Off because while I do like Shake It Off it is literally the only song that the general population (laughs) seems to know sometimes and that's why I was like and it just in general I feel like Shake It Off like everyone associates that song with her that like like there are people there there will be people who like have never heard her country music or anything and all they know is Shake It Off like people just that's fair I just I think that Shake It Off is still the song that is most associated with her out of any of her music at hmm. all. It just is. Like whenever I bring up Taylor Swift to people, it's always Shake It Off unless they hmm. have more knowledge about her and her music. If they are just general population, it's always Shake It Off. And it's just it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Like it's not her best song, but it's no, her, no, it's it's, de- it's is definitely not. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, best deep cut or album cut? I'm gonna cheat a little bit on this one uh, because this did eventually kind of be a single for a minute. Uh, I'm saying Wildest Dreams because that's the best album cut on this album. It's definitely an album cut. It's not the kind of song that is made into a single, even though it kind of was made into a single. Um, But I'm still calling it an album cut. And it's by far, in my opinion, the strongest thing in the second half of this album. So I, I, for me, this was a pretty clear uh, decision. Uh, Wildest Dreams. Okay. I'm going with how you get the girl. Okay. Yeah, I think that it's just, it's a really great song. Like, lyrically, I really like how it sounds. And it's not, it, it's not well known. It's, but it's yeah. a really good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good song. Um, it has a good story, a good structure, a good kind of beat, a good chorus. So, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, track five breakdown. All you had to do was stay is the most underrated track five of all time because of the production. Okay. Like, I just people do not appreciate the fact that the, that that like that this song deserves to be a track five. Yeah, I genuinely had to just look up what the track five was because I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, it, and if if she were to ever play this acoustic, people would see, they would understand, they would know, mm-hmm. because it's like all you had to do was stay like this. You know, this relationship was great, and you just walked away from it like that. That's like really, that's like a heartbreaking sentiment where you mm-hmm. had something beautiful, and they just walked out the door. Mm-hmm. But it's like the production is just so poppy and like upbeat that people just glide over it. I, I really feel like it's the most underrated track five. I'm not saying it is the best or anything like that, but I really yeah. feel like it's the most underrated. 
I it's it's definitely underrated or forgotten as a track five. I don't think it's that great of a song. Like it's an okay song that I don't usually skip, but also don't usually get like super excited when it comes around. So it's like it it which is honestly how I feel about most of 1989 at least now. Like again for a while I really really loved this album. Now I return to it probably less often than almost all, any of them. Um because it just it doesn't feel like something that I have to go listen to again to have back in my life. If that makes sense. Like it's okay. still just there. A yeah. lot of the songs are still just there. Um so in a way it's timeless. But in another way, songs, yeah. All, I don't. I don't have thoughts about all you had to do was stay. It's. It's. It's a fine song. The chorus is fine. The verses are okay. I don't think it's the strongest production of of the pop cuts on this album by a long shot. Uh, I. Yeah. The production murdered it, and I'm so sad <laughs> because like it has so much potential, especially like when when you hear her telling like the inspiration for it is she was having this nightmare where she was like screaming stay. And like, that's kind of where that's why it's like, all you had to do was stay, like, you know, this high pitched kind of like stay. And I'm like, it has so much potential mm-hmm. and it's, it, it, it just, the production failed this song. And I think that might be one of the only times I will ever say that about a taylor swift song just because production but with this song i i really feel like that the production failed the potential <laughs> you cut out there for a second you were saying it's one of the only times you'll say that you say that the production failed uh to a degree yes this is okay yeah this is the only time that i would really say the production completely just like dropped the ball I would say there are quite a few moments on the debut where at least, like, I understand why the production is the way it is, but now it's, like, so, it so hides her voice and the uniqueness of it that, like, I would say that that's a fail. Um, Even if at the time the move made sense, now it's like, you shouldn't like that's that's the wrong decision to make um but anyway um discuss the deluxe this is uh wonderland you are in love and new romantics the deluxe delivered three of the best songs on the album i i just Honestly, like all three of the deluxe songs were contenders for favorite songs on the album for me. Yeah. I've Honestly. never I've never liked You Are in Love that much, but I still think it's stronger than uh This Love um and some of the other songs that did make the album. Um, New Romantics might well be like her strongest deluxe track across her entire discography, 
And Wonderland similarly does not feel like a like they're so we've talked a lot about the like different ones that in past cycles that like felt like deluxe tracks felt like they belonged in a different every single one of these is 1989 every single one of these can go toe to toe with the rest of the album and i think part of why 1989 does have the reputation that it does have is because of these deluxe tracks and the strength that they have even if people won't necessarily say it so yeah yeah. definitely like you are in love is literally in my top five favorite taylor swift songs hands down i adore you are in love that's fair it's it's a very good it's very good at what it tries to be like the kind like exactly the song that it wants to be is exactly the song that it is and so, like, if that's the thing that you're looking for in a song, it delivers it perfectly. I adore um, it. <laughs> New Romantics is every bit as good as basically almost any song on this album. Like, like honestly. And Wonderland is not very far behind. Like, I think, I think if I actually ranked all of the songs... All three of those are probably going to be in the top two-thirds of the album, if not the top third-ish. So the division between the deluxe and the standard here is basically non-existent, if not um, hides the fact that the the deluxe is so good. Um, We talked a little bit about the Bad Blood remix, uh, which I'm glad exists. It's not on the deluxe album or whatever, but um bad blood is also I, i'm pretty sure this is true i can't think of another time i think it's the only time i bought a single song on itunes rather than buying the whole album like i've always been an album purchaser and but there wasn't an album so i remember like buying the single song on itunes um yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a good song I, I always felt the bridge was like the strongest part of that song. And so I think that the remix like highlights that the bridge is pretty strong. Uh, the like band-aids don't fix bullet holes. Like that's a good line. Like that, yeah. that needs its spotlight. The other verses are like pretty bland by, by standard Taylor standards. I, I think so. I, I, th- I thought that, um, I thought that Kendrick really brought something that that song needed to the song. Um, Even if it was still kind of a weird choice to do a remix of it, but whatever. Um, Most excited to hear re-recorded. Other than You Are In Love, because that song is magical. um, This Love, it was my surprise song on the Reputation Tour. And I'm just really excited to hear it again because, yeah, I'm just excited. Yeah, I think I think given our conversation, I'm going to change my answer to all you had to do was stay and see if we can't get production that is better. That like can better like make some effort to acknowledge the tracked five-ness of this song. 
Because, like, honestly, just listening through the album, no part of me ever stops and goes like, oh, yeah, there's supposed to be a track five here. Um, so I, I think that one, um, I also think clean could maybe be a little different in terms of its production. I don't know if it will be, but, um, background or Easter eggs that matter. Um, mm, well, I think it is important to note that the 1989 era is really when Taylor started interacting with her fans online again, like, because she used to interact with them back in her MySpace days, but then there was kind of that. Wasn't it easier in your MySpace days? Sorry. It really was though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there was like a break between MySpace and when Mm -hmm. she really started to interact with fans again online. Mm-hmm. Um, was in the 1989 era, so I think that's like pretty notable there. Um, she had a really strong Twitter presence back in uh, the 1989 era. <laughs> yeah, this song at least, or this album at least, on the surface seems a lot less influenced by the like relationship drama or lack thereof that exists outside in the world. It seems more like a conscious attempt to be like, I'm making something timeless. I'm making something that will transcend whatever else you think about my career. And you can go, you know what? That really was one of the best pop records of the 2010s. And we can still say that 50 years from now or whatever. Yeah, which Um, is kind of like was her goal with it when she was, when Red didn't get the Grammy and she was like, I'm going to make a better album. Like I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that speak or sorry, I keep calling it speak. Now one thing that 1989 does better than red is it's more consistent. Like, as I said last time, there are definitely songs on red that I don't like. There are other songs that I like adore. So the highs are high and the lows are kind of low. 1989 is pretty consistent. There's not a lot here that's like either something that I'm absolutely over the moon excited about or feel is like a really huge dud. Um, in that way, it's it's almost like what we'd get with folklore where it's just like there's not a miss. Like just everything about it feels good. Also, I would say that the, and this kind of goes into the next couple of points, songs we'd cut or a different album sequence. I don't think there are glaring sequencing flaws with this album either. Um, Like it doesn't, like you can play through it, listen through it, and it feels very like well put together. Like it just kind of like naturally flows with each other. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a song that's, like, really in the wrong place. Um, There are certainly, like, small tweaks you could make if you wanted to. Um, But Clean feels like the end of the album. Welcome to New York feels like the beginning. Like, the the progression of the, like, different kinds of tempos with the pop songs in the middle feels right. Um... And I don't think I can say that about... I certainly can't say that about Red. 
And I don't think I can say that about some of the other albums uh, before this. Um, so I think in that regard, if we think of albumness as 45 minute package of songs designed to be played straight through in that, by that definition, this is a far superior album to red. If we think of albumness in terms of like really great songs or really great songwriting or really great, uh, kind of meaning that they have to the fan base or whatever else, then I think red is probably going to, to, to beat it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would agree that there's not a lot of moving around, but for some reason I've always wanted to swap style and out of the woods. Okay. I don't have a good explanation. I just have always felt like they should be swapped and I have, there's no reason for it. It's mm-hmm. just how I feel. So, <laughs> I've always just wanted uh, "Out of the Woods" to be the third song, and then and then "Style." I don't know. That okay. There is no reason for it. It just is how it is. Fair enough. All right. Uh, do we have a motif or multiple song theme? I couldn't think of one. Yeah, I it's like the songs work together well, but they're not kind of like trying to communicate a cohesive like narrative or anything. Or even like a thematic narrative like fearless. Like it's not like the experience of a teenage girl. Like it's just like here are a bunch of good pop songs together. Yeah. It's it's it reminds me of uh, Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion album. It's like here's a bunch of good songs together. They don't necessarily like go together, except that they do because I put them all together. So, yeah, yeah. A belatedly best song. This is the one that's uh, grown to be or grown to be appreciated in a different light. Um, for me, it's Out of the Woods and This Love. Okay. Um, this Love it was always a song that I liked, but um, I don't know. It was my surprise song at the Rep Tour, so now I just really appreciate it. <laughs> um, but Out of the Woods, with her pop albums, I never had this with the first four albums, but I have had this with every single album since almost, I want to say. Okay. Um, and for 1989, the song is out of the woods for me, where when it first came out, like when it's just on the album, I didn't necessarily like it that much. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand it necessarily like as a song. I was just kind of like, OK, like. Cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she released a music video and mm-hmm. I just all of the sudden was like. I get it. I mm-hmm. get this song and I love it. And that's, and I have a song like that for each pop album and for 1989, it's out of the woods. Like I didn't get it until she released the music video. And then it just, I, I appreciate it way more now. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. So in other words, looking back, looking at it now, it all seems so simple. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
for me, it's style. Uh, I liked style at the time that it came out, but I think it got played to death. And then it needed to kind of like sit on the shelves for a while. And then coming back to it, I'm like, you know, this really is like a really, really good song. Probably like one of the best choruses on this album. One of the best production mixes on the album. Uh, I think Wildest Dreams has really good production too. But like, I, I've always liked Wildest Dreams. There was no growing... That, that didn't grow on me. And I think Style did. Um, it seems very timeless. Um, like, it could come out today and it you wouldn't really bat an eye. Or it could have come out in 1989 and you wouldn't have really batted an eye. Um... So next up, oh, sorry, having some connection issues. Are you back? Yep, I think you're back. Okay. Uh, next, we have the next album, Appetizer, the song that suggests the direction of the next album. Okay, I've got it. I, I, I actually like. The other times I was just kind of like, you know, whatever. I've got it for this one, though. Okay. I've got two, actually. And I've got a reason for each one. Okay. So I'm saying I Know Places and Blank Space. So with I Know Places, it's literally just like the idea of finding love in the chaos. of, mm. mm-hmm. and, and I was just – I was like the actual, like, theme itself. I w- even – even though, like, there was no way she knew, no way to know that that's where the direction was heading. But with I Know Places, like, you get that idea of finding love in the chaos and everything. Mm-hmm. And I really, I feel that. But then also with Blank Space, you get, she's playing this character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's yeah. literally, both of those are, like, the two intertwined, like, interwoven themes of Reputation. Makes sense. So. Uh, I went with Bad Blood, uh, the standard album version, um, because a lot of reputation is about her having bad blood. Like, like as as much as we, as much as there's definitely like love and whatnot that like is in the midst of that. Like, that's a lot of it. Is trying to like draw lines in the sand, create this new kind of moment, this new kind of direction. Um, And so I think uh, Bad Blood is a good indicator of that, but uh, your explanations were better. And I forgot that we haven't mentioned I Know Places, which is a great song. So I think that's a good, that's a a good answer. So, Oh, back to the uh, album sequencing. I would move I Know Places before This Love. That's why I didn't, because my mind just skipped right from This Love to Clean with like, yeah, that's the order that it goes. And it's not. I Know Places is there too. So, uh, Most personally special song. I don't really have one uh, for this. I've, I've always really liked Wildest Dreams. So I guess kind of that. But there's not really one that like really 
uh, is special to me. So I am obsessed with you are in love. Like <laughs> it just, I, I will never forget the moment I heard it. Like, um, I honestly, like I have really vivid memories of every, of like listening to the entirety of 1989. And like every single time I like watched the music videos, like I remember exactly where mm-hmm. I was for each one, but like you are in love was really special for me because I remember I was sitting in my bed. It was playing on my CD player and just, it literally took my breath away. Just the, from the moment the song started, I was just in awe and I, it, it took my breath away and I've loved the song ever since it is just, it has my heart. Like every time I talk about my favorite Taylor Swift songs, that is all you are in love is always there because it's the best. I love it. Okay. Nice. And best lyric on the album. This was tricky. Uh, there weren't a ton that stuck out to me. I went with uh, darling. I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. I think that's a really good lyric. I also think it's one that like most singers couldn't pull off and make it sound good. That that's like a, for an album that so often sounds like it's drawing influence from eighties pop, from different like styles and production and whatnot sound. uh, That's a lyric that feels like entirely Taylor. So I think that's one of the reason, and it's just kind of this like quick moment that you could easily move past, but of course you can't because it's a showstopper. So that that's what I think. Um, yeah. It is so hard to choose a best lyric on this album because there it has so many good things like I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream is just quality. Um, I think I'm going to go with a lyric from clean because I just clean lyrically is, I just adore it. Um, and I think when I was drowning, that's when I could finally breathe. Mm. I, yeah, that is a good, clean that is, is a, a good lyric. Beautiful song. And that's, it's a really good ender to the album. I think. Yeah. And uh, I just feel like we need to have a special shout out to I Wish You Would because it's the only song we haven't mentioned. But it's it's literally I Almost Do's Older Sister. They're the same song, just on different albums. Mm. <laughs> They're the exact same song. I definitely like I Wish You Would more. I like them equally. Like, it just depends I'm, on the movie. I'm, I'm so shocked by this news. Uh, also, I should say that we've barely mentioned Welcome to New York, which I think holds up really well, and I think is a really, really good album opener that kind of, like, brings us into this new world, like, this new pop existence. When when uh, Shake It Off was a single, I didn't like it at all. Like, it was, even though, like, with Red, I didn't like We Are Never Getting Back Together very much when it was a single, but it was still okay. With Shake It Off, it was like, I don't like this at all. Like, I am I am deeply upset by all of this, and I'm concerned about the new album. And then with Welcome to New York, it was like, oh, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm good. 
and and with blank space that came out also it was like like that's often what it does like the first single comes out and i'm like i'm concerned i don't know like this might be the one that sucks and then like the next single comes out and i'm like nah we're good it's the exact same thing with reputation it's the exact same thing with red it's happened to me all the time it happened with uh lover it, it's happened all all down the line it's like i i'm concerned and now i'm not and then i buy the album and it's great no really though like yeah. seriously because <laughs> like red 1989 and reputation i was so concerned for all three lover however i was not like me as a bop and i adore it but anyways me um, me is okay i was less concerned i was more just like i'm not really sure where this is going <laughs> um but yeah i mm-hmm, no yeah. shake it off i was as i as i was telling you before this i was i was very very concerned when i first heard shake it off it's like yeah uh yeah and honestly i don't think it should have been the lead single like i think if you could rewind time and have it be style instead like that would be probably a better move for her but no way to know See, but she needed to attack me like that first. <laughs> I needed I needed to be attacked. So she did it for you. Yeah. Uh all right, next time we will talk about Reputation, which is by far the most divisive album uh in Taylor's canon. Uh people have strong opinions on it to either side. I have friends that love it and friends that hate it. I waver back and forth. Uh, it is the only one that I have on vinyl, though, because I got it for like ten bucks at Target when it was uh, on sale. So that's something. Yeah. Um, the vinyl's gorgeous; like it's it's well worth having. Um, but yeah. So yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of Talking Taylor. We will be back in a couple weeks to talk more. <laughs>